peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We are going to go with the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2. I'm sorry, 22, since that's where we've made it in it. And there's only a couple of more chapters left to go before we made our way through this book, God willing. So without further ado, let's go on and get through beginning with chapter um, verse 1 of chapter 22 in Second Samuel. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So one of the things that David, same David and Goliath, King David, um, is known for in the Bible is um, music. And um, he's credited with, even though some scholars don't believe he actually wrote all of the books, chapters, excuse me, Psalms in, in the book of Psalms. Um, but that's part of the reason why he's um, noted for, as a musician. And you can even see in some versions of the Bible as you walk through the book of Psalms. We haven't made it to that one yet. Um, how do I have little notations in the top of some of them that talk about um, what sort of musicians they were written for and who they were given to. And they'll even specifically name David as the one who wrote them. Um, so just as a side note, same David. Um and it's basically his prayer, but it's, and that's what this whole chapter, if I remember right, it's going to be, it's about, um, mostly like a Thanksgiving, like you would see some of the Psalms that are like Thanksgiving Psalms. It's sort of like that. It's, it's written. And I don't know that it's saying it, this isn't saying it's David who wrote this, but the narrator, and then even though it's in the book of second Samuel, it's not Samuel who's writing it. It's, the one who's scribing it or passing on the message of it, um, saying that this is quoting David, basically, like you would see in an article in the news in modern times. Um, and so the deliverance that's going to be referred to that this song is about is when David was rescued from being uh, chased down by his father-in-law, Saul, the first and former deceased now. Um, head, king of the Israelites, uh, Saul. Verse 2, and he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. So David starts out this psalm. We'll just say this. I'm already calling him the psalm. This song is being um, with praise to God as the first part of it. And um, God, or I said God, and interchangeably with Lord. And like I've said again and again when we've read this, the word Lord is being translated from the name or word Jehovah in this instance in the Bible. Um, just as another uh, thing to take notice of. Um, but I'm just going to read it as Lord and God as usual um, as we come across them. Um, and this is sort of like the same way some of the Psalms start out, like Psalm 100, for instance, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, or um, some of the other Psalms basically starting out the same way of giving thanks, the same way you may think of when you pray. Um, verse 3, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my 
shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. So um, David starts out, or this uh, this psalm is, is starting out with giving praise and thanks to God for salvation and deliverance from the pitfalls David has seen his um, um, way through to this point. And even at that time when Saul was pursuing him, verse 4, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Um, so that's um, almost, is almost a direct quote of one of the, the other chapters in the book of Psalms. Um, verse 5, when the waves of death surround the bloods of ungodliness, made well let me make sure i read this right okay so he's saying it past tense so i'm going to read it as it is when the day waves of death surrounded me the bloods of ungodliness made me afraid so um just making sure i'm catching the right tense of that as i read it you don't want to pronounce something like that if you haven't already been through that already and i have had felt those same things of um darkness and death getting way too close more than once um, thankfully being rescued from it um, more than once and by unexpected hands and uh, more than once so I could understand that um, verse 6 the sorrows of Sheol uh, the snares of death confronted me so he's saying that um, Sheol is another word or, well, let's see how it's translated here, what word is translated from here. Because um, I think of it as another word for uh, hell, but it's, and yet yeah, that's what it's being translated from in, um, in the English. I'm using, like as usual, the blueletterbible.org website to read this with you now. Um, and it even switches the word sheol with hell um i'm on my phone so don't let me do the um see how it's pronounced um because it looks like it's s-e-o-l in um in the hebrew language but i'm not sure how it actually is pronounced I might have to be on my laptop to uh look that up and play it for you i hope to be more prepared next time a friend of mine gave me a laptop for christmas god bless him um, and it's touchscreen and it's a Dell, so I've got to um, get this software, get this app, get this site on there. And God willing, next time I read along with you, I'll be able to refer to all of those different things, the functions that are uh, the website, uh, blueletterbible.org, makes available for free um, for now. So, um, He's talking about a moment of despair that he's experienced in the past. And I have also felt that also. I wouldn't say the sorrows of hell, though, because thankfully I hope to not ever meet those kind of uh, sorrows in this timeline that I like or another. So I'd be careful reading that one as it is out loud if I were you. Just a side note, verse 7 in my Distressed, I called upon I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. 
and he heard my voice from his temple and my holy and my cry entered his ears. So David is giving praise to God for hearing his prayer and his cry, his despair in the past, his uh, request being heard on high. Verse 8, then the earth shook and trembled, foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. So what David is saying here is that um, the mood of things, the environment around him surrounding his troubles changed because the Lord was displeased with the things David was dealing with. And whether he means he literally did or uh, did it literally and because of the situation he's dealing with, that seems to be how he's saying it, that God was moved by his uh, cry. Verse 9, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. So I don't think he's literally describing uh, God Almighty blowing uh, fire and smoke out of God's nostrils. I don't think that even though that's what he's saying, only because, well, partly because it contradicts what the New Testament parts of it tell us uh, that Jesus told us about anyone having seen God's form, even anyone even having gone to heaven, and no one has seen or done either of those things. Now, maybe that changed after Jesus' mission was accomplished in the flesh. That's uh, debatable, but to the point of his mission, his ministry, and that was almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus said certain things have never happened. Um, so for um, so for someone to be seeing God and talking to God and seeing God even blowing fire from his nostrils and smoke, it doesn't sound like it's, it, he might have experienced that with something that he called God, David being the case in this um, chapter. But if that was God Almighty, I don't believe that, but that's just me. Believe what you will. It both are in, it's in the Bible, so people will feel compelled to thump a Bible and say everything in it is true from Genesis to Revelation. But some parts of it, if you believe it's all true, some parts of it contradict each other. So as I've said before, as a Christian, I lean into what Jesus has to say, those red letters, the 10%, the tithe of the Bible of the Bible that we use now, those six books with anything red letter in them. And usually it's very different than everything else that's in the Bible. So when it comes to those kind of contradictions, that's where I stand when it comes to the Bible. But as always, believe what you want. Um, I think he's saying figuratively that the Lord, again, was moved by his uh, situation. Verse 10, he bowed down the heavens also came down with darkness under his feet. So he's clearly describing uh, the manifestation, the a vision of God coming down visibly for him to see, almost levitating. Almost, If you ever saw the movie, the remake, the reboot of the movie Clash of the Titans, excellent videography there and special effects. And it sort of mimics that same sort of scene there. When Sheol, uh, the, and when it's capitalized there, it makes it seem like it's talking about someone specifically or someplace specifically. Uh, he's called Hades uh, in the Clash of the Titans because one's Greek, one's Roman. Um, 
and he's and he comes down on the clouds and sort of descends in terror uh for those people around him witnessing it it seems to be something similar to what's being described here in david's encounter with what he's calling the lord and god um whether it's god almighty or not again article of faith verse 11 he rode upon a cherub and flew and he has seen and he was seen upon the wings of the wind so he's talking about a literal vision of god uh flying with angels it seems and um on the wind so up off the ground in the air verse 12 he made darkness canopies around him dark waters and thick clouds of the skies so he's saying instead of you setting up a tent like you would on earth um as something up above you to give shelter to you he's saying instead the canopy that was all around his vision of god with darkness and uh with the and the clouds so the clouds were what um were god's tent in that moment what was surrounding god's background dark terrifying clouds apparently threatening clouds verse 13 from the brightness before him coals of fire were kindled so he's saying just from god's presence presence it was enough to ignite rocks that were in front of him so that would take a great amount of heat to do something like that um or energy and that seems to be what he's saying he's encountering and witnessing verse 14 <coughs> excuse me the lord thundered from heaven and the most high uttered his voice so he begins saying he said it's his vision of the lord uh coming down from heaven and even audibly being witnessed um by david and presumably whomever else was around to hear it and lord here still being from the name or word jehovah um and the most high as a, a word a singular word is coming from word elion um and high is capitalized there so it seems that would is probably talking about um some singular entity or a deity that's being recognized and seen in this moment um let's see verse sorry whenever i do those sort of translations the date jumps um verse 15 the message he sent out arrows and scattered them lightning bolts and he vanquished them so the lord's about to utter a message and in that moment thunder and lightning are happening verse 16 then the channels of the sea were seen the foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the lord at the blast of the breath of his nostrils so he's saying the lord was able to with uh, a word cause the uh, mountains to move the uh, winds to change the thunder and lightning to be experienced by humanity verse 17 he sent from above he took me he drew me out of many waters he's saying in that moment in his darkest hour the lord looked down from heaven on high through the terror and rescued him and plucked him out of the danger he was in 
Verse 18, he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. So David is saying the enemy that sought him, Saul in this case, uh, was too strong for him, but he was still rescued from him. Verse 19, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. So he's saying in that moment when he was confronted by the terror that looked for his life, God was to rescue the support for him in that moment. Verse 20, he also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. So he's saying something about him was pleasing to the Lord for the Lord to intervene in those moments of darkness and rescue him. Verse 21, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He's recompensed me. So he's saying God looked out for him in those dark times and repaid his good deeds that he knows he's done uh, with goodness looking out for him in the situations he finds himself in. Verse 22, for I've kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. He's saying there because he's been faithful to what God wants him to do, um, that God has been with him. Verse 23, for all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. He's saying there, because the ways, the things that the Lord requires of him, as far as righteousness and wickedness go, he kept those as something central to his existence. He kept those in front of him. What's right and what's wrong, he kept that in mind. Even if that's not how it always played out in what we've read in the narrative to this point. Verse 24, I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. So he's saying in the moments that he's rescued, God didn't find any fault in his character. But um, maybe that's just because it was in that moment, because we've read about some pretty shady things that he is guilty of um, beyond those moments when he was in danger. I guess that's human nature. Like most all of us, they could catch us at the wrong, wrong moment. They might catch us in not a, such a uh, nice light sometimes. Excuse me. Verse 25, therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. So he's saying because he did, he was all right in the eyes of God. Things went all right for him. Verse 26, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. Um, what he's saying here is that the same way you show up uh, in a day-to-day -day life, it seems, that's how God will show up in your life. If you're a person who shows mercy, then you'll find mercy being shown to you. If you're a person who uh, doesn't go around assume, uh, assigning blame, then people won't go around pointing the finger at you. Verse 27, with the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. So I like both of these two verses. I use them in my own daily verses that I uh, try to meditate on. And um, they're in the list. Um, and what he's saying there is with the pure, you'll show yourself pure. So with people who don't try to corrupt things, and you know what can be used to corrupt things, money and influence, power. 
Uh, sometimes even food, a meal, will be enough to make someone change their ways, for the better or for the worse. Um, with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. So if you show up yourself, show up not as a pure person, a blameless person, a merciful person, but instead you show up as a devious person, that crafty snake, if that's how you show up in your daily existence. Um, then the Lord is going to show up in your life very shrewdly, approaching you as someone would, not as someone would approach a fool necessarily, um, for instance. Um, but also means you're not going to get much wiggle room if that's how you show up as a devious person. Then someone's going to be shrewd in how they deal with you. And this, these aren't red letters, by the way. This isn't Christianity. This is the teaching of words, at least according to Second Samuel, um, of David, um, or um, David and Goliath, David, and um, they aren't faithful to David's character, like I said, but they do um, have the same ring as the Psalms do, at least in my ear. Um, so it seems like something. If he wrote the Book of Psalms, he probably did write or at least say these same things here. Uh, verse twenty-eight: You will save the humble people. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty. That you may bring, that you may down, that you may bring down. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty. That you may, that you may down. Uh, let me see how else this is. Well, I'm really gonna try to be on my laptop or my tablet, I should say. Um, the next time I read with you here, because some of these things I think probably would read differently in a um, different version of the Bible. And as always, I'm using the New King James Version here. Um, let me see. It's just us. Let me take a moment and see. Num 2 Samuel 22, verse 28. So... First, I'm going to highlight that one. I'm going to go to the top and switch versions and see what the King James Version says. Maybe it'll be easy to understand. Thou wilt show, shew thyself pure with the flower, thou wilt shew thyself unsavory. Oh, so that teaches us what flower means. Um, well, let's say it bit by bit. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. It's how it reads in the plain English of the New King James Version. Here it says, With the pure, thou wilt shew thyself pure. So, similarly, it, with pure heart, God will show up purely. Um, with with us, God willing, I'm in that group. And with the froward, that would be the shrewd. Um, um, I'm sorry, with the um, devious. So froward is the same word as devious. So with the froward, that will shoo thyself unsavory. So what it's saying here, and it does kind of make a different sound 
Let me read it this way. And with the fraud, thou wilt shew thyself unsavory. So with the fraud, with the devious, um, is how it's being translated in New King James Version. So fraud means devious. But how will being fraud get you out to have God show up in your life? Unsavory. So it means here, not just shrewd as in uh, crafty and thoughtful and looking out like you would watch a snake, but unsavory, as in you won't want God around in your life because it's going to be unappealing to you. It's not going to be something you're going to be looking for. And that's how it's going to show up in your life. That if you're that sort of deceitful person, proward as it's written here in verse 27, God, and it's lowercase though here, um, thou in um, the King James Version, will shew thyself unsavory. The way God's going to show up in your life if you're a deceitful person is unsavory, is unappealing, is shrewd. So that's kind of a, a different interpretation of it, at least the understanding I read into um, in the two different versions. But both make it clear that that's not how you want to deal with God. You don't want to be froward or devious. Otherwise, God may show up in your life. And I say thou was lowercase in the King, in the King James Version. But in the New King James Version, you is the word for thou, and it's capitalized. Um, letting us know it's talking about God. Whether you believe it's God that David is seeing in that moment or not. Um, that's who it's referring to. Will show yourself, child, that God, the Almighty, the Lord, will show up uh, unsavory or shrewd. Um, I don't know if that's a good translation for the word unsavory. That's how I think it's unsavory. unsavory. I think of unsavory like a meal that you don't want to eat as or a face you don't want to run into. That's how I think of unsavory. Um, but it's saying, but it's possible also, it's, and what it's saying is that God's going to show up in your life having thought it through on just how to stick it to you. Um, since you um, are call yourself being devious in your relationship, forward in your approach to God. Okay, so verse, back to the New King James, verse 28. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty that you may them down. So um, you see the word that I read there, just to read it aloud, is bring. I don't want to be where they are and where they will be taken to. So saying bring assumes you're with them. So I'd suggest you be careful in reading that out loud yourself. That is always believe what you want. Um, but what he's saying there is that God has that power to show up in your life and take you down. bring To take you down a few notches if that's what's needed. To drag you if that's what's needed. To make you snap out of it, Karen. Whatever is needed. God's able to bring it. In verse 29, for you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. So um, David is saying there that God is the light that he looks to for guidance um, in a dark world, in the darkness he's faced, in his exiles too now that we've read about that he went through. One with Saul, the first king, and one with one of his own sons. Verse 30, for by you I can run against the troop, for by my God I can leap over a wall. 
He's saying God is his strength and the one who accomplishes the things that he's able to make it through and the escapes he's able to um, realize. Verse 31, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. So he's giving praise to God here um, for being that defense um, and for those who trust in God. Verse 32, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? So now again, whether you believe this Jehovah is God Almighty or not, this is who David is recognizing as the Lord and God in his life. And I believe these are good attributes to, <clears throat> excuse me, a tribute to God Almighty. Um, so I don't mind reading it as it's written in English. Um, but if you read it in the Hebrew, um, it would read differently. And you'd be giving the specific praise, specific praise and um, characteristic traits to um, a specific entity that may or may not be the God you think it is. Lord, again, is being translated from the name Jehovah. So if you read it rather than the English, as it reads, for who is God except the Lord, and who is the Lord except our God. If you read it in, <clears throat> excuse me, in um, the original language it's meant to be written, um, I'm sorry, it was written in, or at least passed down and scribed to us, and it reads differently. And God here isn't Elohim, it's El, and that's the specific name of an entity or deity. And this is one of the few times that we run across it. Um, but if you see God there is El, the specific Canaanite deity um, that was worshipped in more than one religion in the past. Uh, Lord, however, in all caps, uh, in English, translates from the entity Jehovah. Um, both are being referred to interchangeably there, um, and by name specifically. Um, and God, instead, when it's mentioned again there, at the end of that verse, isn't in all caps, but it is a capital G. But it's not referring to the same L that we just had it translated from earlier in the same verse. Instead, it's being God, that is, is being translated from Elohim, a plural word, if I understand correctly, whereas, whereas L is singular. Um, so make the best sense of that as you can, uh, the closer to the original language that it is, perhaps the more closer to the um, true and original intent of it, it is. So it may be worth checking into if you want to really dive into it. For me, I, again, lean on the red letters of the Bible as what are gospel for us to understand about the Bible, what are essential to our salvation, our understanding of what Messiah's mission was, uh, regardless of what the rest of the Bible says, is what I choose to lean in on. So any other things I read in the Bible, um, I still see them, some of them, like what we read here, what some of the things we read in the book of Psalms as positive things or uh, characteristic characteristics that I would associate with God Almighty, whether it is the same God that's being named 
in its original language or not. So I don't have any problem reading those things because in my heart, I know that's who I would give that credit to. Now, if but I'd still recommend if you do say anything in the Bible as it's written, then just be careful that you may be opening up uh, connections to entities, powers, even giving faith or credit to things that you don't realize that are maybe contrary to what you also say you believe in as far as Christianity goes. Um, so just a thought. Um, verse 33, God is my strength and my power. God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. So here, David is uh, giving God the credit, giving God the glory. God, in this verse being translated from the word L, is who is being accredited to uh, David's strength, his power, and uh, his paths being perfected. Verse 34, he makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me high on my high places. So he's saying God is who makes his him so nimble in his escapes from the snares and deaths that he's confronted over the years. Verse 35, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So he's saying the same God that makes him as nimble as a deer, just like Bambi that escaped when she was a tree break, uh, is the same God that empowers him and strengthens him to go to war when he has to, to fight a battle when he has to. He's saying that's the same God uh, who he's giving praise to. Verse 36, you've also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. So he's giving God who is powerful yet also gentle in his in his summation of things, who is also being credited with making him great, David, that is. So again, I wouldn't have any problem reading this as one of the Psalms or reclaiming the Psalms or saying them out loud. I would just suggest, again, you be careful. And if you decide to read them, um, changing the words to uh, what we read as in the English as Lord, to the words they originally were, realize you may be giving praise to certain Canaanite deities, Canaanite gods, um, uh, without even meaning to. The same way, uh, just like one of the um, statutes that we read about, say you aren't to have any of the names of any of the deities in your mouth, it's an abomination, it's a sin for you to even say the name of other quote-unquote gods, you do that already whether you realize it or not every time you say the day to the Greek because they are named for other deities, other gods. In many cases, gods from a whole other religion, the Norse religion, when you see or have you ever heard of Thor, the movie Thor, uh, the movie series, the character, they're based on the same thing. So whether people want to admit it or not, Bible thumpers offend in even saying the days of the week because they refer to these other gods that you're forbidden from saying according to what's written in the Bible. But Bible thumpers don't care about being hypocrites all day long. Verse 37, you enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. And thank God for that because I've got large feet. So he's saying here, God did him a favor there too, enlarging his paths under him so that he didn't slip and fall. Verse 38, I've pursued my enemies and destroyed them. 
neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. He came. Um, God not only rescued him, but even turned the tide, split the tables, and made him the one who was hunting them. Instead of being pursued, he was the one doing the pursuing. Verse 39, and I've destroyed them all under them, so they could not rise. They've fallen under my feet, and my kids are large feet. But I should stop saying that because I don't want to claim large feet, no matter what size they are. I don't want to claim that for myself in all places where I do exist or will exist or have existed. So I take those words back about the large feet. I have had large feet, we'll put it that way. So I understand how he feels um, here. Um, that God's rescued him. God's been there for him and made a path where he didn't see one. And the path was stable and steady and secure. And ended up being the path paved with his enemies under his feet. Verse 40. For you've armed me with strength for the battle. You've subdued under me those who rose against me. So he's saying God was his victory over all his enemies. Verse 41. You've also given me the necks of my enemies. So that I destroyed those who hated me. So David is there saying that he ended up walking on trampling on the lives of his enemies. The neck is the life that you have to bleed through the neck. The murder of George Floyd showed that. The repeat of those awful events by other law enforcement without fear of great penalty and instant karma for those things has enabled that to happen again and again. It can be changed if you start treating people the same way you claim you do. Let them treat them the way other people would be treated for doing those things. And those things would stop if you really wanted them to stop. Um, but he's saying he ended up being able to turn the tables and end up pursuing and even destroying his enemies. Verse 42, they looked, but there was none to save even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. So he's saying his enemies turned on their ways, turned on their heels when he ended up chasing them. And turned back looking for salvation, looking for rescue, uh, looking even to God. He's saying to the Lord um, uh, to save, uh, but God didn't answer them when they turned in desperation to him. Um, and I'm just saying him because that's the gender assigned to those ancient Canaanite deities being worshipped here. Although there are others that were not hymns that were also being worshipped, the Asherim. The Asherah, uh, also being worshipped by these same people of this same religious origin. Verse 43, in the Bible, then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. So he's saying not only did he conquer them, he spread them as just like you would a litter and trash in the streets. Shouldn't spread litter, by the way makes the neighborhood look like trash. Uh, but that's what he's talking about. He was able to conquer and scatter his enemies. Verse 41, you've also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You've kept me as the head of the nations of people I've not known shall serve me. So in that verse, he's saying he's been rescued even from the um, times his own people sought him. In that case, uh, his son, namely, chased him down and had him on the run. Absalom, who he lamented 
what he ended up did, which I guess you would if you gave a hoot about your kids, um, even if they were hunting your life, and to still care them when they die. Um, but he's saying he's even rescued from his own people and his own child, um, and that people in the future will, um, who he has not known, modern day Christians, for instance, um, will still seek him as the head of the, na- of the nations which David is the one king most people can point to in the Bible. Um, even if they don't think of the king of the Jews as he was um, crucified with Jesus or the first king, Saul. David is the one who many people will think of or come to mind when people think of a Jewish king in the Bible. Verse 45, the foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. So he's talking there, David. Uh, about the clout he's received even among foreigners in the places where he goes to, and he's crediting God with that. Verse 46, the foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. So he's saying even foreigners are terrified at his reputation and his presence and even hide out from him rather than face him head on. Verse 47, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. So he's given many praises to God and giving God uh, life uh, in saying that God lives and letting people know God lives and acts on his behalf. Even saving him, verse 48, it is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. So he credits God with here with um not only saving him, but then also avenging him, presumably on those who sought his life and his enemies, and even conquering people for him, laying them down under his feet. Verse 49, he delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You've delivered me from the violent man. So he's saying God is his rescue and his victory, and even his deliverance from violent people who seek his life. Verse 50, therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. So he's saying for that rescue, for having his back, for delivering him, he gives praise to God. Verse 51, he's the tower of salvation to his king, and and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. So he's saying God is powerful and rescuing and merciful and um, and looking out for him and his descendants for always. He's uh, And in that sense, that came true also if you consider uh, at least to the point when Jesus uh, birthed, there was, uh, or mission I should say, existence, his role in the Bible. Um, there was always that presence still. And then even afterward, um, uh, and as believers, even in modern times, of God being present in the faithful, in the lives of the faithful, and showing up to defend the lives of those who are faithful to him. Now, it's also shown up not to be the case when you consider enslaved people were some of the most faithful people in American history and yet treated like dogs. Uh, the only people not to receive reparations for slavery 
even after the slave owner, people who believed in their pride and in tradition in owning other people and things we've read about here, even in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, getting reparations. So they have no problem with government handouts if they're the ones receiving the handout, but have all kinds of issues and problems with paying just reparations to people who were enslaved and missed out on the prosperity that they helped this country create in the first place. Uh, it's atrocious that that's even still an issue that hasn't been handled by Democrats or Republicans. It's no mistake, even to this day. Um, but um, the descendants of slavery, as the descendants of David, God willing, will see justice to some point at some point, uh, or at least some version of actual justice for the people who endured the horrors of slavery. Um, well, back to David's descendants, though. He's saying that God's going to be looking out for his for always. God willing, those were slaves also, um, descendants, that is. So that's the last verse in this chapter. So that's what we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you. And that you'll join me again. We're just about through the book of Second Samuel. Only one chapter, two chapters to go uh, after this one. Thank you. God bless you. I love you and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.